Good morning to all of you. This morning we want to sing two songs first, and they're both in your bulletin. The first one we want to sing is Happiness is the Lord. We haven't sung it for a while. You notice at the bottom it says we sing, repeat the chorus, but we won't do that. We will just say, sing the Happiness is the Lord three times. The next song we want to sing is I Surrender All, and please stand for that. Thank you, um, Helen and Irene, for getting us into the spirit of worship. So good morning. Welcome to all who are here this morning. Special welcome to guests. And um, a welcome to those who are joining us via media during the week. We are glad you have come to worship our Lord together with us. I look forward to continuing in Corinthians this morning. Pastor Dean will lead us in discovering what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. When I read the scripture reading, 
Paul talks about, we try to persuade others. So I thought I'd search to see if Paul uses those words elsewhere. elsewhere. And I found uh, two places in Acts where he uses the word persuade me. And in Acts 26, verses 28 and 29, then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you could persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for my chains. And then in, and then in Acts 28, verse 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and come and, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till, till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophet. He tried, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of this day, for the opportunity to praise and worship your name. Father, I thank you for parents, for Sunday school teachers, for camp counselors, and various events you use to persuade me to follow you and become your disciple. Help us, Father, to persuade others, others as we connect with them. We thank you for not giving up on us. I pray all of this in your name. Amen. The next song we want to sing is in your hymnal 593, I Love to Tell the Story. We'll sing all four verses.
Let's take a moment to walk through our announcements or our bulletin. Um, summer is over, September is here, it's a new season, a new start for almost everything in church. We And uh, so this is a very good, good time for the church. We, um, one of the things I want to announce that um, because of the long weekend, the church will be closed tomorrow. Um, Pastor Victor is on vac vacation and he will be back on Thursday. So carrying on is um, our missionaries of the week, our K&K, &K, and let's pray for them. And so here are some of the things to note. We have deacon nominations uh, next Sunday and they'll close on the 17th. We have a men's, mor men's morning prayer time starting Wednesday the 6th at 7 a.m. Encourage each other and for those who have time to come. Uh, discovery groups and Bible study are also starting this week. Uh, we have um, Hebrews. George Elias is going to be taking us through Hebrews on, at, on Wednesdays at 2. There's a discovery group at Crocus with Jake Hildebrandt uh, at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. There's a discovery group at Oakview Terrace with Pastor Dean also on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And um, the discovery group with uh, Dennis at Dennis Dirksen's place, uh, the day has not yet been determined, so this is... Um, not accurate at this point. So there's a men's prayer, prayer breakfast official kickoff on Saturday, September 23rd at 9 a.m. Paul Penner will be the speaker. So join that if you are a man and able. So receiving hospital, uh, our person with health needs, I uh, just want to note some additions and some changes. Conley uh, Thiessen, my dad, is not at hospital. He is at home, has been there for a few weeks already. Um, we, um, but Hilda Ham and Alf Dick are in hospital as of this week. So we'll add them in and pray for them as well. In Notre Dame, we have Dave Weep, Swan Lake, we have Mary Duick and John Suderman, um, and then Abe and Dora, or Abe, a Friesen is still in Manitoba, in a Manitou care home. And uh, just a little note here, he moved from the hospital. We have um, condolences uh, to Viola, Viola Suderman. Rod passed away last night. So keep her and the family in prayer. So again, on coming events, we have a church potluck on the 17th. Deacon nominations, just take note of those, and then communion on September 24th. So we have a busy month, busy time coming up. So let's take a time to pray for some of these, or all of these. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve we thank you for all of those who are serving in various various capacities and you know as leaders as 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 workers as support workers as uh, as assistant leaders and father we just want to ask for discernment and wisdom as we we move forward and father help us to have a the yearning and a hunger to participate, uh, you know, in the prayer times and the discovery group times where we can learn and grow together and learn to know each other for the prayer breakfast. And um, that's coming up. And Father, we, um, we want to take some time um, to discern who you would want and who you are calling to be deacon in this community, in our church community, to walk with those that are already there and to, um, to help in that special ministry. 
Father, we just pray that and, and ask uh, for a good few days off for Pastor Victor, that he will uh, enjoy time with his family, and that we'll, he'll come back refreshed in a, in, in a new way. And Father, for the leaders in the discovery group, for that the prep time, give them prep time, give them the, um, the words that you um, men mean want for those that are that are part of the group to hear and Lord help them to become um, uh, care care groups for each other because there's many many things that uh, that are in our lives that where we need support where we need others to help walk with us Father for those who are in ho in hospital for Carolyn Ham Mary Cron for Hilda Ham now, for Alf Dick, for Ann Thiessen, for Dave Weeb, Mary Duick, and John Suderman, for Abe Friesen. Father, give them um, um, a peace that passes all understanding. Give them patience. And Father, give wisdom to the, to the, the caregivers, to the doctors and nurses, as they help them walk through and, you know, and receive healing. Father, we pray for Viola Suderman, and we pay, pray for Kathy and the family, uh, um, and, you know, in the passing of Rod. Um, we know where, where he is, where he's going to. We want to, uh, as we mourn, we also want to celebrate with them. Father, give them a time of, uh, of, of where they know you are near, Give them the time as a family to come together and to support each other. And Father, we know that, that um, you care for them as you care for us and as you care for everyone in this church community. Father, we know there are many that are struggling with health in this church community, They're struggling um, quietly, but we, we know of many of them, Lord, Help us um, as a community to hold them up in prayer, to walk with them, to give them encouragement. Now, Father, as we receive your gifts, uh, or as we give of the gifts that you've given to us, bless it and nourish it, multiply it, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Ask the ushers to come forward. Let's sing together number 581, I am thine, O Lord, and we will just sing the first three verses.
George just asked me to um, uh, announce that the Hebrew study will start on the 13th, not this week, but the next week. This morning's scripture reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 to chapter 6, verse 2. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It is. Yesterday we had a beautiful day. Plus 36. Some of you were sweating. Some of you were saying, I would like warm or I'd like cooler weather. But I say to myself, I just think of minus 36, and then I'm quickly satisfied with plus 36. And I hope you feel the same. Winter is coming, but that's okay. Winter is good too, it has its blessings. So does the heat in summer. And we are still in summer because fall does not arrive until September the 21st. More than 30 years ago, Cheryl and I joined some friends on a trip to Manitou Springs Resort and Mineral Spa in Watrous, Saskatchewan. We quickly became aware of the healing qualities of the water because of the mineral content. According to Health Hive, minis, min, or mineral spas bathe provide variety of benefits to the skin. When spending time in the mineral bath, the skin absorbs minerals and nutrients that smooths and heals, helping to relieve symptoms of psoriasis, acne, echinacea, and dry scalp. The peanut and pretzel website says this about relieving pain. If you are a victim of chronic muscle pain, fibromyalgia, or arthritis, immersing your body in the natural hot spring pool can assist in relieving the pain associated with these conditions." Close quote. Back then when we went to the spa, we went and we never had any pain. But it sure was an enjoyable experience um, as we went into the hot springs. After we finished, we went out to the changing rooms to change. When I came out, I waited for Cheryl and the others to come out and join us in the lobby. In the meantime, there was another lady in the hall, and I asked her the question, so what do you think of the hot springs? Then she told me her story. She had struggled with chronic pain for years. And now when she went into the hot springs, it disappeared. She was so pleased with the results that she sold her home 
and moved to Watrous, where she could go in there on regular intervals. She had been there for more than a year using it, and now she was pain-free. When I think back to this, how, this lady, how she shared about her physical life, how it was changed because of the mineral spa, I can say that she was an excellent ambassador for the spa company, even though she did not work or get paid by them. One, can purchase, one can't purchase advertising like that. She simply told her story what happened to her. As believers in Christ, we too are ambassadors and have a story to tell about the transforming power of Christ, what he has done for us, and what he can do for others who do not know him as Savior and Lord. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul points out clearly that there is only one prerequisite to being an ambassador for Christ. What is that one prerequisite? It is to know Christ personally. It is to have been forgiven. It is to be able to walk with Christ day by day. That is the only prerequisites. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Let me just read this portion real quickly again to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. So the question is, if we are ambassadors, how can we become effective in our calling in bringing others to the Lord? And I've entitled this message, I made just a little bit of a change after I was going through my message. And instead of the, uh, in the bulletin, it says four requirements for being an ambassador for Christ. I simply changed it to four keys to being an effective ambassador for Christ. You see, if you're a believer in Christ, you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. Now, we might be effective. We might not be effective. And the way that we become effective is when we walk with the Lord, when we've been praying, praying and we've been reading the, the scriptures. If we want to be an effective ambassador, we have to be asking God to bring people into our lives that we can share. If we want to be an effective ambassador for Christ, we have to be praying for those in our family who are lost. We have to be praying for our neighbor who is lost. And we need to pray for people who we have not met yet, who need to hear the gospel, and we need to ask the Lord, send me. Send me. Because we all think someone else is going to do the job, and someone else is going to tell the people who need Christ about the message. When in fact, Christ has made you and I ambassadors for him. Ambassadors. Four keys to being an effective ambassador for Christ. Number one, we must have the fear of the Lord found in verses 11 through 12. We must have the fear of the Lord. Verse 11 says this, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that we can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than, is, than what is in the heart. Paul says this in verse 11. Let me re-emphasize that. We know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade. We know what it is to fear the Lord. 
Paul understood that we are saved by grace and grace alone, and that our salvation is not based on any works that none of us can boast. We can't say, I had anything to do with my salvation. It is a gift of God apart from anything that we do. However, he knows that all believers will stand before the Lord one day and give an account what they have done for Christ. Paul says that he fears. Well, it's interesting. Why would he say that he fears? Because he knows that Christ has died for him. He knows Christ that has died for him because Christ loved him. And he loves each one and every believer. So why is he scared or why does he fear? Well, it's not that he is fearing. It is that he has such a reverence for God that when he stands before the Lord on judgment day, and that is the, not the great white throne judgment which is reserved for those who are unbelievers, but the judgment seat of Christ, he wants to be, be able to say to Christ, he has done everything that he has been asked to do. In such a way, we should have a fear, and we should be asking ourselves, are we doing everything for Christ, what he has told us to do? Are we walking with him the way that we need to walk with him? That means sharing the gospel with everyone possible so that others can have the opportunity to hear about Christ. We must share. Christ has told us to do that, and it ought to come from our hearts. What is the state of the non-believer if they do not turn to Christ? They are lost for eternity. They are without Christ. Do we really believe that? Do we really pay attention to that? That the person who we know doesn't know Christ, that they will spend eternity away from Christ? forever and ever? Does it have an impact on us? Do we think about it? Do we pray for those individuals? Do we ask God, send me? Do we have a prayer list? And are there names on that prayer list? Because we're so concerned about those individuals. The non-believer will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. This should strike terror into hearts, our hearts, for those who don't know Christ and those who do know him. It should be terror for bo both of us. Here's the reason why, that the person who does not know Christ spends eternity away from hell, that is terror. It should be terror for us because we're thinking to ourselves, if that's what's going to happen, what are we doing about that? Do we have the same terror in our hearts? Do we feel for them? Would we want that to happen to us? And if we were lost, would we not want somebody to come and share the gospel with us? And so we have a mission that God has given each one of us. Therefore, it does matter how a believer lives their life down here. It matters the way we live. After we come to know Christ, it matters what we do with what Christ has told us to do. No matter the way we look at this verse, we must be conscious that God is a God of love and he is also a God of wrath. We must remember what the scriptures say. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 3. So we can see that the first key to being an effective ambassador for Christ is to have a healthy fear and reverence for God and to be about the Lord's work of sharing the gospel. That's what we're called to do, and that's what we must be doing. Now we come to the second key to being an effective ambassador for Christ. Number two, the love of Christ must compel us to go. Verses 13 through 15, the love of Christ must compel us to go. Why are we going to go and tell others? Is it because we have to, that we're pushed to do it? or because we want to. 
Verse 13, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Notice verse 13, that Paul was willing to be thought by others that he was out of his mind because of his compassion to share the gospel with others so that they could know Christ too. Perhaps maybe the people were saying to him, the Corinthians, just get a hold of yourself. Just don't get so wrapped up about telling others about the Lord. Take it easy. And Paul says, you may think I'm out of my mind, but in fact, I'm in my right mind because I'm about the Lord's business. Remember what happened with Jesus when he was out performing, performing the miracles? His family came to take hold of him because they had thought that he had lost his mind. And that's a scary thing. Because when we go about the Lord's business and when we're doing all that we can for Christ, people will think that we are out of our minds. Paul says in verse 14 that the love of Christ compels us. We are not only to be motivated by fear, but we are also by God's great love for man. That's what should motivate us, God's love for man, God's love for for us, and that we have experienced it. This is not our love for God, but rather God's love for us. God demonstrates his love towards us by giving, by the giving of his one and only son to die on our behalf. He did not just tell us he loved us, he showed it when he spread his arms out on Calvary. He suffered and he died. He went all the way to the cross, yes, and gave his life. What would you do if a bear attacked your son or daughter and a passerby risked his life and was severely injured himself while saving your child? Think about that. Think about that for a moment. Would you not want to show him your gratitude and appreciation somehow? If someone saved your child's life and now they themselves were maimed for life? How can we who have experienced God's grace, forgiveness, and love not share it with others or to be concerned with them? How can we be happy just to keep it for ourselves? Christ's love compels us to go and tell others. We are compelled because of what we have experienced that we want to go out and share with someone else. It should not be because we have to, but because we want to. And we have to say within our hearts, I gotta tell somebody because they need Christ too. Now, it's always easier to help someone who helps us. But what about if we try to share the gospel with those and they reject it? And they reject you and me as we're busy sharing the gospel. Sometimes we want to walk away and say, well, just have it your way. And go and be without Christ. But that should never be our heart's desire. We who should be saying to ourselves, they need to know, and we need to pray even more now. That can make it very difficult, but we must remember what happened to Christ. He was rejected by his own people, and Christ still went after them. 
You see, in the same way, we must let the love of Christ compel us to share the gospel with others. What happens if we don't feel that kind of love for others? Have you ever asked that, yourself that question? Or maybe perhaps you don't feel that love? You don't feel that motivation to go? What happens if we don't feel that way? There are two things that we can do. First, we can ask the Lord to give us that passion that would compel us to go. We need to ask the Lord. Secondly, we need to be obedient because we know as we are obedient, feelings will follow. We might not feel that way, but I wanna tell you when you're out there and you start sharing the gospel, the feelings will come. Love is not a feeling. Instead, it is a choice. It is something that you decide, and that's what God did for us. Can you imagine the most holy individual in all of the world has to love the sinner like us? I wonder if God felt that way right away because sin repels God to his core, yet he loved us by choice, and he loves us also by feeling. We must become a conduit to let God's love flow through us, and God will make the difference. So we come to the second key to be an effective ambassador, as I just said, and that was to, for Christ, for allowing Christ um, the love of Christ to compel us to go and share the gospel with others. Now we come to the third key to being an effective ambassador for Christ. Number three, we must be aware that every believer has the ministry of reconciliation, verses 16 through 21. We must be aware that every believer has the ministry of reconciliation. We can't say, oh, God has told them that they need to go and share, but I can keep quiet. Each one of us have been blessed with the ministry of reconciliation and telling others. Verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Wow! All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin, sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. According to verse 16, at one time Paul regarded everyone from a worldly point of view, which included Christ, because he never believed that Jesus was God in the flesh. Paul's thoughts of Jesus was that he was just an ordinary person and he was not God in the flesh. However, he and his traveling companions no longer saw Jesus in this way because they had met him. They knew him now, and he had transformed their lives. They were different, never to be the same. In verse 17, Paul acknowledges that Christ's transforming power by pointing out that if anyone is in Christ, he is the new creation. The old has gone, the new has come a new creation, you're a different person. So how does this new creation occur in a person's life? 
How does it happen? Paul goes on to elaborate that it is through being reconciled to Christ. In other words, by coming into a right relationship with God, by having your sins forgiven and walking a new path, transformed and being a friend of God now instead of an enemy of God. The Believer Study Bible expresses reconciliation in this way. Reconciliation is another of the significant and enlightening concepts which form the New Testament doctrine of salvation. Reconciliation has reference to a change in a relationship from a hostility to love, acceptance, and friendship. The atonement of Christ accomplishes two things. Number one, the cross propitiated, or in other words, it satisfied the wrath of God. The wrath of God and reconciled man to God. Few realize that, that the Bible pictures man as an enemy of God, for that's what he is. Man is an enemy. He's an enemy of God. Romans 5.10, Romans 8.7, Ephesians 2.12, and Ephesians 2.15. That's how he is in his unredeemed state, an enemy of God. Number two, in repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, a man is reconciled to God by the death of Christ. His basic relationship has changed from that of an enemy of God to a friend of God. Remember, Abraham was a friend of God. Are we a friend of God? Are we a friend of God? The answer is yes. But sometimes we have this distance from God because we simply don't pray like we should We put God to the side, and many times we find other things that we think are more important. In the last part of verse 19, Paul says, And he, Jesus, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Does this mean that everyone we proclaim the gospel to will accept it? Does it? The answer is no. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, of proclaiming the message, but that does not mean that everyone will accept it. In 1929, a man named George Wilson robbed the United States mail, killing a person in the process. Later, he was caught and found guilty and sentenced to die for his crime. Some friends intervened on his behalf and were able to speak to the then President of the United States, Andrew Jackson. President Jackson granted Wilson a pardon, but when Wilson was informed of his pardon, he refused to accept it. An appeal was sent back to President Jackson. The President, not knowing what to do, turned to the U.S. Supreme Court for an answer. The court gave this ruling. A pardon is a piece of paper, the value of which depends upon its acceptance by the person implicated. It is hardly to be supposed that a person under the sentence of death would refuse to accept the pardon. But if it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must die. The sentence of death was carried out upon George Wilson, even though a pardon was lying in the sheriff's office. The Bible tells us that God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sin against them. As Christ's ambassador, we beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you, Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. That is, come back to him and receive his pardon. Why this person rejected, we do not know. 
But there are many people who reject Christ even though they know the way, they still say no. But that should not diminish our love for the Lord and telling other people the gospel. We go because he has told us to go. Now we come to the last key to being an effective ambassador for Christ. Number four, we must seize the opportunity now. We must seize the opportunity now. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to, re uh, not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. So how could some Corinthians receive God's grace in vain? According to verse 1, because that's what Paul has said. Some have received God's grace in vain. The answer is that there were false apostles in the midst preaching a false gospel right in that church. Later in the letter, in chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, Paul mentions the, the situation. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with this easily enough. So Paul calls these people to come to Christ by faith and faith alone. If the Judaizers were there, because they certainly believed in the law and filling out and, and, and um, following it exactly to gain salvation, that's what they would have been doing even in that church, leading believers astray. They would have to communicate to the church that the only way that they could be saved was through works. That's what the Judaizers were teaching. At this point, we come to a juncture. Two types of people need to seize the opportunity. Two types of people must receive the opportunity that is at hand. First is the believers, you and I, to know Christ, and then we must be ready to share it. We must know Christ, and we must be ready to share. But secondly, is those who don't know Christ. They must also receive the same way. They must. And how can they hear unless we go? How will people know unless we go? Well, maybe perhaps my neighbor will do it. Maybe somebody else in the church will do. Maybe an evangelist. No, God has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation, and he has called you and I to do his work. Charles Spurgeon, a pastor in England during the 18th century, tells this little story. It is not after the storm has arisen or the telegraph has reported that the ship has been struck, that the merchant runs to ensure the goods. Then it's too late. You don't insure the goods after. 
He takes care of the insurance while the sun is shining and, there, and the air is calm. He makes sure that the insurance is in effect before the ship has cleared from the dock or at all event before the ship has left the river. You should do the same. You are living, but you are, you are dying people. Now is the accepted time today. God is with us waiting. His terms are still whosoever will. That's his terms. Always has been, always will be, until the day is over and breath is taken from our lives. Today, you may enter into a life and tomorrow the door can be shut or may be shut. Close quote. We all need to take hold of the opportunity. If we know the Lord, then begin today praying and sharing the gospel with someone who does not believe for whatever reason it may be. Begin praying and pray and pray some more. And when there looks like no hope, then double your prayers and pray even more. As already said, the time is short for us, but maybe even shorter for the family member or the friend or someone who does not know. We think we have lots of time, and we do have lots of time, more than that person, because that person who does not know Christ can be dead tomorrow. And that's why it's so urgent. It's urgent for the non-believer, but it's urgent for a person who knows Christ and have been given the ministry of reconciliation. My prayer for you folks is that you will take this to heart and you will begin to pray even more fervently for the ones you know who are lost and ask God, Lord, give me the opportunity to talk to them so I can share about your love, and Christ will answer our prayers. Our closing song for this morning is 385, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. We'll sing the first three verses and then verse 5 after the benediction. Please rise. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we thank you for the message of salvation. We thank you for each person who is here who has accepted that great and wonderful promise of eternal life. And Lord, now you have given each of us the message of reconciliation. I pray that you would go before us. I pray that you would lay people upon our hearts and that we would begin praying more fervently. If we have been praying already, or maybe perhaps there are sums that we have not prayed for yet. 
We pray, Lord, that you would open the door so that you would use us to communicate the gospel. Thank you for the privilege that you have given each of us, and we thank you for this. And we pray, Lord, that when we stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ, that we can hear from your lips, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.